Uh, well, I just think based off of, you know, our, our parents and what I've heard from them is if you grew up back in um, on Samoa, the only way to get off the island really was through sports or through the military. And so you went one of two routes. And I agree with Star of you probably had those big time football player names, Jesse Sapolo, and when they left and they were able to, you know, send money back to the family back in the island, that just kind of set a precedent for, okay, again, this is another way for you to get off the island and be able to provide more for your family back home. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to The Deep, and this is the podcast where we talk about deep topics. My name is Star Sewell. I'm your host for today. Hostess with the mostest, right? And then with me, obviously, we have Miss uh, Kaleo Hero in the building. What's up, Kaleo? How are we doing today? I'm tired, Star. <laughs> it it's is kind of early. early. It is kind of early, but <laughs> I mean, early for us. It's not like early, like those other people that wake up four o'clock in the morning, go work out, and then go work. Like, no, not that early. No, but um, <laughs> but yeah, we got a special guest today. We have a special episode, and we're going to be talking about uh, a lot about sports and you know the Pacific Islander culture a little bit and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we're gonna have a good time in here. So, we ready or what, Kaleo? Oh, I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I just had my like Hawaii Hawaii slang come out. Oh, ready or what? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was the Maoli concert that I went. You know, this past though, well, two days ago. <sighs> Rub it in. That was a major. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, guys. So if you guys are on YouTube, thank you guys so much for coming through. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notifications button so that you don't miss any episode. I do want to say that you know last week or this past week's episode wasn't you know posted yet. It's going to be posted later on today uh, because I had some internet issues, and you know that's the reason why. Right after this episode. I'm going to be uh, switching my provider. Literally, I have to go drop up the modem and pick up a new one and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm not having one week without internet ever again. That was crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, back yeah. to the old days. Yeah, yeah, back to the old <laughs> days where we we literally were sitting in our house, like looking at each other, like, what do we do now? We want to play a board <laughs> game. <laughs> But um, but yeah. Um, again, if you guys are on Spotify, uh, please uh, rate the show and follow the podcast so that you guys don't miss anything. I appreciate you guys being here, Kaleo. Let's get this started. All right, let's go. So our special guest, uh, she is one of a kind. <laughs> I gotta say <laughs> that, but she is one of a kind. You know, she um very uh, I gotta say she's my family. Obviously, she's my cousin, but she is one of the first Samoan female. Division one head coach in a, at a collegiate level. So let me bring her on in. Her name is Miss Megan Burton in the building. Let's go. What's up, guys? <laughs> what is going on, Meg? Thanks for being here. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out. You know, I know you're a busy woman. And uh, you got the time to, to be here. You know, we get to, you know, let the viewers, you know, the millions of viewers get to know you a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, One day. Thank you guys. Yeah, no worries. So, 
you got any any questions or anything you want to say to the the millions of viewers that we have <laughs> yeah uh sorry everyone had to get up early that's my fault uh so appreciate you guys um and just really grateful for this opportunity to talk about sports and polynesian culture and feeling really blessed this morning and Super proud of my family over there, Start. Super proud of you and all of that you're, um, you're building on this, on this side of things. And just excited to share. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, and anything, you know, where you're from, you know, what ethnicity and stuff like that. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I actually was originally born up here in the Pacific Northwest uh, in Tacoma, Washington. My parents were military, so I brought them to the mainland. But I ended up growing up back in Hawaii with all my family. And um, yeah, it was, it's what shaped me um, into the person I am today is being, you know, raised back on the island. Um, and then from there, I had the amazing opportunity to pursue college athletics um, up here on the mainland. And I went to uh, college in the Bay Area, uh, was a collegiate athlete, and then from then on became a coach and have been able to have so many great opportunities, traveled the world being a coach and met a lot of great people. So that's kind of a quick background. Um, I am half Samoan and half Balangi. So, and proud of both parts of what make me up um, to be who I am in my heritage. So a little bit about me. There nice. we go. I'm sure a lot of our viewers are Polynesian or Pacific Islander. They know what Balangi is, but what is Balangi? Oh. <laughs> yeah, great question. It is Caucasian, um, Haole, white. Um, yeah, my dad is from the good old South here. Um, he was born and raised in Tennessee, so I am half white. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yes, yes, Afkasi. I think I have a, a like me and my pinky, a little German. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Just a tad, a little bit. But um, before we get into the questions, really, we got one more questions. What is one thing that you love to do growing up? It could be anything. Um, gosh, love going to the beach with my family. Oh man, not the not the Sunday <laughs> beaches. <laughs> uh, yes, Sunday beaches are so amazing, though. Right. So, okay, but here, would you rather be able to be invisible? Or read minds. Oh, read minds. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm so interested in like what is going on in people's heads, especially my players. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just read your mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna uh, head on to the next segment. This is the questions roulette. You know, all of you guys. I don't know if all of you guys like it, but. You know, it is a way for us to get to know the guests a little bit more on a deeper level. You know what I mean? So some of the unorthodox questions that, you know, people don't usually ask. So you ready? Khalil, you ready to take over? Take, oh, you want me to do all of them? Yes. Okay. All right. <clears throat> you ready? <clears throat> if you'd only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that's so good. Um... <laughs> Oh my gosh, pressure, pressure. Uh, um, something that my mom has cooked. You know, she's, I don't know. I, I'm just, anything that my mom cooks, I would eat it for the rest of my life. She's just, I, mom's cooking, right? 
what the the five layer dip ah, <laughs> that's true oh my gosh five layer dip barbecue ribs show you chicken like mom can uh, like throw down in the kitchen yeah my mom couldn't <laughs> my dad though yeah yeah <laughs> so okay so what's your favorite tv show of all time Oh my god, these are hard questions. <laughs> oh, literally, these are hard. Favorite TV show of all time? Um, gosh, I don't know. I'm big on reality TV, so I'm gonna go with American Idol right now. That's like my jam. I just am Tongi out there to support him and really just love listening to music. So I'm gonna go with American Idol right now. I can appreciate that. So if you if you could switch careers, what would what would it be? Oh, oh that's tough. <laughs> I just love that's so hard. I love athletics so much. It would have to still be on the realm of athletics. Uh, maybe um, an academic counselor, academic advisor. They do such great work with athletes, keep them eligible, allow them to pursue really focused on their degrees. So if I couldn't be a coach, I would work in athletics and I think specifically like an academic advisor. Oh, okay. What's the craziest thing you've ever done for love? <laughs> for love? Yeah. I'm such a hopeless romantic. Um, I moved up to the mainland. Yeah, I left home and I came to the mainland and I moved for a guy. And definitely don't regret it. Um, but that's the craziest thing I've done for love. Wow. Okay. If you could mm -hmm. travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? New Zealand. New Zealand? Ooh, okay, yeah. okay. What's the weirdest food you've ever ate? Oh, um, weirdest food? Gosh, weird is, like, such a tough term. I try not to, like, put that label unique. on anything. And, like, more, okay, more unique. Um, gosh, like, anything, an insect, like grasshoppers, ants. I've eaten a lot of, like, different types of insects. Okay, me too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, Captain Marvel, girl power. Hey, okay, okay. Growing up, who is your favorite celebrity crush? Or who is your biggest celebrity crush? Or um, now? Yeah, The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock? <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, yeah, no, just love what he represents and love to look at him. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, for, for a workout, would you rather lift weights or do something like yoga? Uh, lift weights, yeah. I think it's the former athlete in me. Yeah, I was just like, let's get in the weight room and lift something heavy. Oh, there's nothing like the sweat and satisfaction of uh, being like that after you get that big old max. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the release. <laughs> Hell yeah. Totally. Is it a Polynesian girl <laughs> thing? Because I would have said yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no, you would not. <laughs> uh, no. Well, that's the that's all of the questions, right? Yeah, she, I think I think you answered them faster than even I did. <laughs> Thank uh, you for that. I felt like I was stuttering. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But good question. <laughs> I mean, Kalea, I think if I remember, Kalea, you're like, oh, oh. I, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> I contemplate everything. Oh man. No, that was great. That was great. I um usually usually what we like that weirdest foods or craziest food. It's always gotta be some kind of insect, you know what I mean? Yeah. Always we got some uh insect and then like um I totally remember the time where where you, you moved up out of the, out of Hawaii. I was like, why is she moving to the mainland? <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. It was a big decision, but you gotta when you're in love, you go all in. So you go all in. Yeah. But but it also depends on like, you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna go all in too fast, you know what I mean? Now in hindsight I know that. <laughs> but at the time, you know, did it. Hey, well that's that's the thing, right? With with life lessons, I guess, you know, you live and you learn, right? And it only makes you better from there, right? Amen. Mm-hmm. We at church. Oh, you n- you never want a moment. You never want a moment of what if. Yeah. No, you totally don't want to look back on life and regret. And I I think that that in itself has brought me a lot of peace in life. Of just this is what I want to do right now, and I feel like it's best. Then let's do it. There you go. Exactly. Let's go to the celebrity crush. I know, obviously, Megan yours was The Rock. Khalil, who's your who's your celebrity crush growing up? Oh, totally The Rock. Right. Like, <laughs> that's why I was like, mm. <laughs> she's like, I understand. I, I um, hundred, hundred. <laughs> I had a, uh, I had one growing up, obviously, from little kids, and then like as I got probably like high school, it kind of, I guess, my celebrity crush changed from i guess with the you know whoever was hot at the moment or the the the, the, the hot thing at the moment but it was uh jennifer lopez at first oh she's oh. fire though Heck like, yeah. even now even today <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it was j-lo and then like i added to that list it was and then when i got a little older it was alicia keys so, so those are my two celebrity crushes oh yeah Alicia too, man. Are we ready to move on to a more deeper conversation about more into your career really makes? Um, yeah, guys, we're going to move into the next segment. We're going to dive deeper into uh, Megan's career, you know, get her thoughts, you know, her perspectives and, you know, where she's at in life. And, uh, you know, before I, I ask the first question, I do got to say it makes, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I'm very proud of you. You know, especially being my cousin, I'm proud of where you're at. I'm proud of, you know, things that you're doing and being an inspiration. Um, and even if you do or don't know this, you know, being an inspiration to, you know, the younger, our younger generations, our family, especially. So, um, yeah, proud of you, cuz. I love you, Star. I'm proud of you, too. Oh, righty. Let's get out of the touchy feeling. Let me ask this question. I know. Like, oh, why do we have to go there? I'm gonna cry. Uh, I just had to. I just had to put that out there. But yeah, you know, speaking. I know we mentioned that. Uh, you know, you are one of the first. Uh, one of the first female Samoan female Division One head coach. You know, at a collegiate level. So, um, the first question, like, you know, how how does it feel to be in that position? And you know, what was it like when you first, you know, got the job? When you first found out? Yeah, I feel very humbled to even have attained the position I have in my career field. You know, to be a head coach is uh, it's a great accomplishment that is something that I uh, 
from my support system I've been able to um, reach in my career. Um, I think specifically to be one of the first Samoa and female head coaches, I just have so much pride. You know, I, that's the word that comes to mind. Um, pride and the culture that I'm able to represent and pride in being able to share it with a larger community in the volleyball world. Um, I'm just very humbled and grateful for the opportunity and have so much pride and being able to share my culture. You know, you said volleyball and um, was that was that your main sport growing up or did you like any other sports, you know, playing while you were a kid growing up up to this point now? Yeah, um, no, it was actually not my main sport. I was definitely a basketball player growing up, um, as Star probably could remember. But my parents were big athletes. They were actually my coaches. And so they were all about the multi-sport athlete. And so I played basketball. I played volleyball. I threw in track and field. I paddled for canoe clubs. I, uh, I think at one point I <laughs> gymnastics. <laughs> you know, when I was like five. Um, but um, yeah, just being a multi-sport athlete um, and really was a basketball player. I mean, that was my main focus until middle of high school. Nice. I know. I, I do remember. Um, I do remember the the sports and going to your games and freaking watching uh, um, you play basketball. I mean, the volleyball was always, you know, was always there. I don't know why we, us Samoans, are such volleyball lovers, but you know the volleyball was always <laughs> there. But you know, watching you in basketball and then seeing you in track and field, it was, I was I was super small, right? So I was like, I thought that, you know, I thought that you were like the best athlete. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> on the like on the court or on the field or whatever. And um, do, do you mind if I tell you know, or if do you mind if you tell the the viewers like? Like how tall you are. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna no. ask how tall are you? Like basketball. Yeah. Well, I I'm supposedly six two with shoes on. <laughs> but yeah, I am uh tall and proud of it, you know. I um I try to promote to especially to my young women on my team, it's like your height is a gift or whatever size you are. It's like own it, own who you are and have a lot of pride in it. And being the height that I am has created a lot of opportunities for me. So yeah, I'm six two and I am proud of it. That is amazing. You you looked <laughs> well, you still look taller than six two. Like <laughs> I thought you were like I thought you were like six five. Like that's how but that's probably because like, you know, the average female is what, like the average height for female is five five or five six. So my yeah. height. <laughs> so so comparing you to them makes you look like you're just six five you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah hello can you imagine here i am six two i've been six two since i was like 11 no mm -hmm. joke and playing against you know small little filipino asian girls because i went to sacred hearts academy okay. and just like massive height difference so yeah what's <laughs> What Star is like saying about how from the outside, I probably look like a giant. I totally did. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was short. So like on the volleyball court and stuff, I was a setter. So like I'm like pushing it up for these girls because they're just like towering above me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I loved right. it though. 
I'm like, hey, can you hand me that? <laughs> you have, I have friends of all heights and all, and it's fine. I love it. <laughs> okay, so what are the common sports uh, that Pacific Islanders play, and why do you think that they play those specific sports? Yeah, um, I think um, over on the world, the side of the world with New Zealand and Australia, um, they probably play more netball, they play rugby. I think on this side of the world, United States, we play football, basketball, volleyball. And uh, we're, to me, we are great athletes. We are quick, fast, agile, strong. Um, just we were built to be warriors and so it's not a surprise to me that we are also uh really good athletes that it's translated that warrior lifestyle has translated to on the field or on the court so i would say i would okay. say that like majority of like if, if we're gonna pinpoint specific cultures in this pacific pacific islands mm -hmm. um with, with samoans they like at a young super young age like i noticed a, a trend for uh, for years now like generations right that it's like football is like the sport you know what i mean mm -hmm. why why do you think that yeah. is because like we're naturally bigger and we're naturally like it was it uh i um uh, was it a thing where like you know jesse sapolu and like they, these other big names in the nfl that like they paved the way and so now all they want to do is be like that person you know from generations before to you know what i mean uh, well, I just think based off of, you know, our, our parents and what I've heard from them is if you grew up back in um, on Samoa, the only way to get off the island really was through sports or through the military. And so you went one of two routes. And I agree with Star. Of, you probably had those big time football player names, Jesse Sapolo. And when they left and they were able to, you know, send money back to the family back in the island, that just kind of set a precedent for, okay, again, this is another way for you to get off the island and be able to provide more for your family back home. And yeah, I also think football, our guys are, they're big and strong, but also quick. And so it just really lends well to the necessities of being a successful football player. Um, and the same for volleyball. You know, I think we jump really well. We uh, are very explosive athletes, very explosive people. And um, it's not a surprise to me why you see a lot of successful uh, volleyball players. Yeah, and I think you, you brought up a good point, you know, to get off the island. And I'm sure it's like that with, at the other islands, too. You know, with, I think Fiji is like to get off the island or, or be successful was rugby. You know, Fiji and mm -hmm. rugby players are super big. But um, you brought up military, you know, that was like, if you look at the, the army specifically, it's like every, it's probably like 90% of Samoans that do join the military goes into the army. But um, mm -hmm. at the same time, I think what pushes them to the football route is because it's like the military is intimidating and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to, let me, let me do this sport, you know, something that's fun for us to do. You know what I mean? You know, going back to, you know, you being a division one head coach, you know, what, uh, what's, what are some of the challenges that you face as a head coach just in, just in general? Um, well, I think the landscape of college athletics is it's constantly evolving, but especially right now, we're in like a unique time in college athletics where you see the name, image and likeness deal that's uh, is coming really to the forefront for these student athletes. And so 
I think it's great for student athletes, right? For those that are sometimes you're only going to have a finite amount of time to make money off of your name and image and likeness as a student athlete. So I understand kind of why the legislation has gone that route. Um, I think specifically for, you know, for the smaller schools, which I would classify where I work at as a mid-major or a smaller school, um, you're always fighting this battle of resources. And that kind of comes back again to the financial resources. And so specifically with like NIL, the big schools are just getting bigger and getting uh, a certain level of athletes because they have the financial resources to go out and recruit them and to provide a lot of, a lot of money for them. And so that's some of the challenges that I specifically face. How do I compete in the same division? Because we're all in division one. You know, I got to compete against Texas. I've got to compete against, you know, Auburn and Alabama for the same type of kid. And but with significantly less resources, specifically uh, financial resources. So that's a challenge that I face um, kind of as again, just as college athletics is evolving right now. Um, and then I think uh, I constantly uh, face a challenge myself and other coaches of how do you become the best coach for this generation? And that takes education, that takes wanting to learn about this generation of what makes them tick and be their best. And um, that's a constant learning process. So again, kind of some two main challenges that really stick out to me. I think with uh with with, with college coaches uh, or just coaches in general, like you know, you guys have your guys' own style. You know, you guys build your guys' style of coaching over over the time, and you know, knows what works and what doesn't work and stuff like that. But um, like you were saying, you know, the college sports in general is evolving, so your coaching style's got to evolve as well. So you mm -hmm. know, aside from the financial part, just your, I guess your coach mindset's got to kind of change with the with the time, right? So I can see definitely. That. Right. And if you're not changing, then you're getting left behind um, or you're going to miss out really on how you can. I, I believe us as coaches, a big purpose is how do you connect with the people that you're trying to teach and help evolve um, at a really pivotal time in their life. Right. They're between 17 and 24. Uh, and so a main goal of mine and I think a main goal of a lot of coaches is like, how do you help develop these young people? through sport. Um, but if you're not able to understand them and meet them where they're at, then you're not going to do the best at, you know, being a great mentor or being a great coach to them. So how I was coached back in the day is not necessarily the best method for how I should coach these current athletes. Um, and so it's constantly evolving. It's constantly learning about how can I relate and how can I best teach to the generation of athletes that I'm teaching at that time. Great answer. <laughs> now, I think, I, I still think that there should be a lot more old school uh, values in today, like instilled through sport. Like I am, if you ask oh, my absolutely. players, I'm pretty old school. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel sure. like a lot of the older school mentality is definitely a working type mentality of like you you want it you have to put the drive into it you know whereas i feel like you know when it changed to the whole let me give you a participation award you know oh. 
that's when it became so soft. And now, like, when I go to, like, do any kind of sports stuff with my kids and stuff like that, I'm like, no, you have to, like, you got to put your heart into it. If you're not, mm-hmm. just stop. Mm-hmm. Because it, otherwise it's not going to be enjoyable for you. And it's not going to be enjoyable for anybody. Just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just me, but. No, it's not. It's not work, enjoyable. Determination. It's not enjoyable if you don't win something. So, like, there's, it's not enjoyable if there's no winner. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that's, there's no winner yet. That's the that's the point of a, a you know the the why sport was made in the first place. It was for competition, right? Yeah. With any game, a freaking board game, you're supposed to win the game. <laughs> you know. We're so Polynesian. I love this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because I have the constant um, debate with my new age athletes of, okay, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it to the best of ability. And because we want to win, like, that's how we were raised. Like if I'm, if we're going to, I don't know, race out uh, on the beach, I'm going to do it so that I'm going to beat you. Right. Um, But I do think it's a, it's a balance, like for sure you want to you're putting all this effort in to be the best but in that journey in that process there are all these small steps of learning and getting better Uh, i think giannis he did a great interview a few days ago um uh, a sports reporter asked him hey do you feel veal view your whole season as a failure because you guys are out of the nba uh finals run and i thought he had a great answer he's like Look, just because I'm not necessarily going to win at the end doesn't make my whole season a failure. And so I think it's like understanding this holistic concept of, yes, at the end of the day, we're freaking out here working really hard because we want to be the best and we want to win. But there's still a journey in that. And even if you don't necessarily get that ultimate prize, it doesn't make everything that led up in your journey a failure there are small successes and it's really important to focus on that. And I, I talk to my athletes about that because at the end of the day, only one team wins. There's over 300 schools in division one volleyball, but at the end of the day, only one team wins. And that doesn't mean there's 300 unsuccessful seasons. Yeah. Now we're still going to freaking try to be that number one school that wins, but (laughs) I don't know. I, I think it's a blend. I think it's a, a balance. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to, to, to go back to Kaleo's point, you know, to take out that comp- uh, competitive spirit in the game, it takes away from all that learning that they could do from either losing or winning. Because on the winning side, too, you know, it kind of, well, on both sides, really, like it teaches, you know, these athletes or anybody that plays a sport or a game, right? It teaches them, you know, the uh, humility teaches them uh you know a lot of different skills leadership skills uh, teamwork skills that you can mm-hmm. apply to in everyday life if sports doesn't work out you know what i mean so perseverance yeah, yeah. Exactly. it translates into so many things yes and that's why sometimes i personally don't understand why parents are like oh no 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 i don't i don't want my children to compete at all or i don't want you know like even if it's like competing against each other i don't know about you two but like i it was, oh, you're going to let your brother out, do you? I'm like, oh, heck no, I'm not. He's my little brother. <laughs> he ain't beating me today. He never will ever mm-hmm. beat me. <laughs> you know, that's why, that's where he learned how to tackle. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's uh, Megs. You know, all my siblings. They, 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 they will, they will, they will talk the talk, but they know that I'm going to beat them in everything. Uh, <laughs> ooh, I feel like uh, I feel like it's a little unfair because they're not here to speak on their behalf. But come on, uh, come on Megs, Megs, you gotta, you gotta admit, Megs, that they, they have. <laughs> All the abilities to be the best athlete, like as far as like height and size, like you know, I'm the smallest one out of all of them. But for me, I didn't have the size, but I have the probably the best athletic uh, just ability. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as like the athleticism, you know, like, come on, man, come on! Like, really, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm giving them something, though. All of you posses are extremely gifted athletically, and you had an amazing journey, and so did a lot of your siblings. Yeah, so that's yeah. where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, all you podcast lovers? I just want to take a break and tell you guys a little bit about Roots Global Entertainment. These guys are all about the streaming, gaming, and creating some awesome content that will keep you entertained for hours on end. With Roots in Hawaii, they've got a unique perspective on the world of entertainment that's sure to keep you engaged. And if you're looking for more ways to keep up with their latest latest releases, their latest posts, or whatever it may be, check out their website at RootsGlobalEntertainment.com. Whether you're into gaming, streaming, or just love content, great content, Roots Global Entertainment has got you covered. And let's get back to the podcast. So so what would you say, like, some of the challenges that Pacific Islanders maybe specifically face in sports in, in like, the college world? Yeah. What are some of the challenges? Yeah. Like, what are their, like, biggest challenges as far as, like, being a Pacific Islander in college sports? Oh, um, I think that, I think leaving um, a place of comfort is really hard for Polynesians, right? Being around a community that they're similar to or they're familiar with, whether it be in Hawaii or whether it be in California or even up here in the Pacific Northwest, because there are big Polynesian communities. Yeah. I think if they leave kind of that, uh, that environment that understands them, that's very challenging in college athletics and to go to a culture that is really different and doesn't necessarily have um, the background knowledge of our, our Polynesian culture. I think that's very challenging for anyone that's going into a new culture, but specifically for Polynesian student athletes. But I do think that this generation is the bravest that I've ever seen. You know, you have, you have people that are not just necessarily going from Hawaii to the West Coast. They are going to the East Coast. They are going to the South. They are going abroad afterwards. Like, there is so much more desire for this young generation of student athletes, Polynesian student athletes, to branch out. I just think it's really brave of them and very courageous because it's hard. It's hard when you leave a place of comfort, especially culture-wise, and go someplace yeah. where you're going to be the minority and people are not going to understand you at all. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that too well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big challenge. Um, and then, you know, I think um, I think food, like food in general, we are. Yes. <laughs> we're, you know, we're we're people that we're strong and meant to be big. And I think, uh, yeah, the food can present like a, a particular challenge in athletics if you're not responsible. Yeah, because uh, 
<laughs> we tend to eat a lot of salty foods and uh, it's typically not going to help you on an athletic field or court or whatever. <laughs> no. And, but not, not every Polynesian athlete has that, you know, nutritional background. I know I didn't, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I grew up in Hawaii and I ate what my grandparents would cook at Konai on Sunday. And like, that's what we ate. And then you can kind of get away with it when you're a junior athlete because I don't know, you're, you're 15 and nutrition's not going to be your downfall at that age. But when you're 19 to 24 and you're trying to be the best of the best, nutrition is so important. You are truly fueling your body and uh, we don't necessarily come from that type of background. And so uh, it could be a challenge uh, and learning just, how to rethink food for us as a people. Because yeah. we love food. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't see, uh, you don't see uh, uh, Samoans eating, uh, uh, or Hawaiians or Islanders eating Kalua pig and then like a bowl of salad right next to it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no. What? We try, try and have that balance. Yeah, we try, we try. I mean, I mean, there is like when we do like like the what is the Hawaiian play uh, Kalua cabbage. I mean, yeah, we got some vegetables in there, but <laughs> some, yeah, some. some. <laughs> Hence the reason why us Samoans have like gout all the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's like Ooh. our that's like our Achilles heel is freaking gout. I don't know why, <laughs> right? Well. We just no, don't necessarily eat food that is is good for us in that sense from a gout perspective. But put it this way: we we like to eat the the pork or the pig, but we like to eat the fat of the pig more. Because it yes. exactly. tastes so good. <laughs> exactly. Um. But let me uh, let me go to the next question and uh, going back on the topic of uh, um. Polynesian Pacific Islander athletes, and then as you as a head coach, you know, if you have any now, or if you had before, and whatever you know, uh, teams that you did coach before, um, do you have any players that are from the islands, and do you give them special treatment, or do you kind of give them, you know, are you more hard on them, and like why? Yeah, I think um, since becoming a coach, uh, I definitely look to recruit from back home on the islands um one hawaii is such a, a great resource for volleyball in particular i mean it is the premier sport for for girls and so just from a talent pool it serves really well that i can go back home and get this amazing talent from for volleyball um and then I think on a deep, on a more personal level, I just want to be able to provide opportunities for girls from the island. Uh, I was blessed enough to get an opportunity and to leave and have this amazing experience. And I truly believe in giving back and paying it forward. And so I do want to create more opportunities for Polynesians or from girls that grew up in Hawaii and I am lucky enough to be able to do so. I have had Polynesians on my team. I have had local girls on my team. It's a, it's definitely a focal point in my recruiting. Um, and now do I give them special treatment? Uh, I think, I think they would probably say no. <laughs> um, uh, being a coach, I, I think it's really important to be fair. Um, regardless of where my players came from, you know, I recruited them because 
I believe in them and I want them to be a part of that chosen family wherever I'm coaching at. And so uh, I try to be fair across the board. Um, definitely don't give them special treatment. I would say I'm actually probably harder on them um, just because I know the culture that they grew up in, um, the type of character values that were instilled in us. And so I have high expectations for them both on and off the court. Definitely not easier. I would say uh, I almost feel like I'm tougher on my kids that I recruit from the islands. So would you, you know, you talk about coaching, you know, being able to balance and stuff like that, you know, you, you saying that you, um, you feel like you're, you're tougher on them. Now, is it tougher on them more than the other, you know, non-Islander players or kind of, you know, even that out? Because sometimes um, like when you do that, right, with, with coaches, you know, sometimes it, you unconsciously kind of like yes. forget about the other players and or or uh, they feel like they're being left out you know what i mean yeah for sure uh i think early on in my coaching career i was definitely um almost to an extent like it it was too hard on my girls from back home where it wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to the rest of the team and the good thing i think a really good thing about this generation is they are uh they are vocal and so they will speak up for things that they believe in or things that they feel are wrong in the realm of sports and so uh you know there's a blessing and a curse to that but i have grown as a coach because those players both the girls that i was really hard on from back home and their teammates would bring to my attention that maybe it wasn't a it it wasn't what was best for the team that kind of coaching method so try to find a balance like yes i have certain high expectations for them just because i know of how they grew up but it shouldn't be so extreme extremely different from how i treat the rest of my players that are not from the high the islands yeah you know it's all about finding that, that balance because then you know you don't ever want to be that coach that you know shows favoritism right or you know, have that, yeah. that favorite player or, cause then it's even a bad look in on the parents' eyes, on the, the school board's eyes and like the mm -hmm. AD, whoever it is, you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, just, yeah, just finding that balance. It's really, uh, you know, I, I feel that, you know, I had the, you know, when I was coaching back at school, right from, uh, at St. Louis, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, I was more exposed to more Islander players, obviously, cause they're all from Hawaii. But, you know, I had a few that, you know, are not, you know, born and raised in Hawaii and all that stuff. So I felt at, as well, at one point, kind of just like you, that I was kind of a little bit harder on the Samoan kids, especially because I'm like, I'm Samoan, right? You know, compared yeah. to the Hawaiian or whatever other race there was. And I think I, I picked it up on my, I picked it up myself that like, dang, I feel like I'm not giving these other kids more uh, uh, enough attention. And I think the moment that I, and I was only coaching what, sixth graders to ninth graders. And I feel like those are like a crucial age because they're such a sponge trying mm -hmm. to learn more. Right. And mm -hmm. so the moment that I, I switched my coaching tactics and, and realizing that I had to like kind of even out the coaching and give everybody the attention because this is such a crucial age. That's when I started to see the, 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 the huge improvements that these kids were you know, uh, um, having on the field and off the field too. Cause you know, like, I'm sure you can agree, you know, with me, like a lot of the things that we do teach in, in coaching, 
uh, with a particular sport, we tie it into real life situations or real life experiences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, when I was able to figure out that balance, I was noticing the change in all the players instead of, you know, just my Islander, right? Yeah. Oh, I wish all coaches would realize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I didn't, I didn't have that experience growing up as far as like people being harder on me while playing sports because i i was the you know non-little skinny white girl on Mm -hmm. on the team Mm -hmm. i was the much thicker stockier larger you know hawaiian girl that always kind of got overlooked for things but yet I threw harder, I ran faster, you know, all these things, but because I wasn't what they were used to, it was different for me. Until my dad got involved in my sports and then then it was definitely way different <laughs> because he was very hard on me. <laughs> but yeah, like big Hawaiian man, you know. So <laughs> do you think like Kaleo that speak just because you were the minority. You I know, was. Like yeah, that's what it felt like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. like, literally, like, if I even, like, look back at all of my stuff, like, I was, like, the one super dark girl on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm not super dark now because I don't see the sun in Oregon. But, <laughs> I like, I, I was. I was the, you know, the built, stacked dark girl on the team and the town I lived in we didn't really have a very large uh, array of ethnicities and races and stuff like that so I was definitely a minority and I felt like they kind of like overlooked me for a mm. lot of those reasons and they felt as though they had to have the you know smaller petite looking things but then again all of our coaches were all males and they were just kind of gross Oh gosh, that brings up such a good point about representation, not only as an athlete, but as a coach. Yeah. Especially for young girls. It makes a huge difference when you have a male coach with female sports. Like it it, it makes a huge difference. I and totally I don't think agree. I don't think a lot of people really talk about that because mm-hmm. coach the coaching world is definitely so dominated by men. Yes. Yes, it is. I actually thought about that the other day. My own personal journey, I have had way more male coaches, male mentors in sport than females. And uh, it, it's, it starts at such a young age from when yeah. you first get on the volleyball court or on the basketball court and your, you know, your pal league um, coach is a guy. It's probably your uncle. Or your older cousin. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But it just, like you brought up, it just, it, it's different for a young girl to be coached by some, another female versus a male. Yeah, absolutely. One reason why I was so excited for you to come on here, because I was like, oh, yay, a female coach. <laughs> yeah. And I take it with a lot of pride, but also a lot of responsibility. Um and uh, it's you're fighting a social stigma though i will say i think the the challenges that i face as a female coach specifically a female head coach 
are challenges that I wonder if my male counterparts would face. And I haven't, I, I don't think so. Um, and then you add on that extra layer of being a BIPOC female, some more challenges. So, but, but with that said, right, like someone's got to do it. Someone's kind of got to almost to be some of the firsts and hopefully in doing that, you can normalize it and you can make young BIPOC women feel more comfortable in pursuing this field because it is amazing. Um, and I don't know, I think it's, uh, I think, uh, I hope that I can do that for young people. I know for me specifically, I remember, I remember having those female mentors, uh, coaches and be like, man, that's awesome. I want to do that. And, uh, it was really inspiring and, um, we, we all have an opportunity to do that. I think we have an opportunity to inspire. So. Absolutely. And I went down that rabbit hole. No, no, no. <laughs> speaking, speaking on the uh, female coaches or just coaches in general, like I know, uh, I know your mom coached for a little bit and I thought, you know, I wasn't coached by her, but even, even just a small moments, you know, uh, when, when we play volleyball at the beach, right. And, you know, seeing your mom, uh, coach up, you know, our young uh, little you know nieces, right. <laughs> And little cousins, I was like, like, I see the inspiration from the outside looking in because it's like, you know, a woman on a woman, basically, or a woman on a, on a young girl that, you know, that young girl can, you know, not only look up to her auntie, but as a female being able to coach, you know, in this sport that they, they do enjoy. So I totally get that, um, the whole side of, as far as like, uh, relate, relatability, you know, in, in the sport. So, yeah. yeah. And it just creates like a comfort level mm -hmm. of like, hey, I've seen someone do it and okay, I can do it. Yeah. You know, it, hopefully it creates less doubt and more confidence and then an encouragement of it. Our job is to encourage, you know, and to inspire, but just, just seeing it, seeing another female coach or female in athletics, it kind of gives you permission in a sense of yeah, I can do this. Oh, I have a passion for this. I'm not the only one. I can, I can buy into this and I can work hard at it and I can do it. Um, but having the visibility, it creates permission. It creates um, comfort level. It creates confidence. So we're going to uh, move on to the final couple of questions before we end the show. So I do want to Shout out to, you know, everybody, the viewers, like I said earlier, the millions of viewers, thank you so much for listening into the podcast as we start ending, you know, the, this episode, um, I'd like to give a big shout out again to, uh, not only my cousin, but you know, Megan, I'm certain in the building, you know, who is doing great things at, at Portland, uh, who, who's your guys team pilots, Portland pilots, right here. Portland pilots, let's go. <laughs> Uh, doing great things up there, you know, being an inspiration, not only as um, a division one head coach, but a female Pacific Islander head coach, you know, doing, um, like I said, being a big inspiration to, to her members and to the people back at uh, our hometown. So um, thank you again, Megs, for being here. And um, yeah, let me uh, go back to the final questions. Um, I know you brought up uh, the NIL a little bit, you know, in your answer before. And, um, this, you know, talking about the NIL, we could probably have a whole another podcast, but we'll just touch a little bit on it, you know, just to get your thoughts on it. Cause it is kind of a big thing. And I noticed that a lot of, uh, 
sports podcasts, they do talk about it a lot and, um, you know, give their perspective. So I just want to get your thoughts. And, you know, um, I think based on your answer from the other question, you were saying how it was a kind of a negative impact for, for you as a coach, you know, trying to, you know, make the best of your guys program over there. Um, but yeah, if you guys don't know, you know, if you guys are watching, you guys don't know what NIL is. So NIL is like really stands for just name, image, and likeness. And it's kind of a, I guess, uh, I don't know what the easiest way to put it is like a promotion thing for social media platforms or whatever, for that specific athlete, kind of like endorsing them or sponsoring them, you know, uh, to, I don't know, bigger their company or whatever in, in, in their name, uh, not necessarily mm -hmm. just a school, not no, wait. Let me take that back. Not necessarily the school. It's just the, the person, the individual, right? Yes. So before, when you were a student athlete and you played at a university, right, you, the university was able to capitalize on the name and image and likeness of, like, a great player. So, for, for example, like, Steph Curry, right? Because go Warriors. Um, <laughs> Anyway, but Steph Curry, when he was at Davidson for his undergrad, right, he was such a great player and really impactful on a national uh, scene. He didn't benefit personally from um, from that, right, from his ability to be one of the elite basketball players in the nation. Instead, his school did. And so now they're now it's shifted. Now student athletes that are great in their sport, that money and those benefits can go to them for those financial gains. gains. Um, and yeah, you know, I had mentioned earlier, I think there are positive and negatives to it. You know, I think you're paying student athletes now. So like, what's the difference between them and a professional athlete? That's a whole different topic. Um, but at the end of the day, a student athlete should be able to earn earn value based off of their worth you know versus it going directly to the institution or to the bigger monopoly of the ncaa right because because you your lifeline as a student athlete or as an athlete in general is finite injuries are real career ending ear injuring ending injuries are real so there might be a short amount of time that you can capitalize on the value that you bring to the table as an athlete so I believe in that. I, I, I support it in that way. I think it just, it, it is a disadvantage for those of us that necessarily don't have the financial means to provide NIL money for student athletes. And that's the perspective I'm on. You know, the rich get richer and us that have less resources, we still have less resources. So um, overall, it's a great thing for student athletes to earn value based off of their worth as an athlete for a coach that's at a particular institution that may not have the financial means it is another challenge that i have to face to compete against the bigs right. you know the bigs like in the power fives so right. but nil is great you know student athletes go capitalize on it put the work in market yourself and you can make so much money look at angel reese from lsu she is making yeah. bank right now do you think um do you think that you know with some of the negative parts of that like because some some people was arguing that you know um it could i don't know hinder their professional career as far as like you know just their their attitude or you know in a way where like 
oh, I already made all this money. Like, like I don't need to show out when I go to the NFL or, you know what I mean? Or um, the other thing that people would argue is that, you know, while this, because most schools, right, with, with the NIL or, or this whole thing going on, right, most schools would, uh, um, well, most situations, I don't want to say school, but most situation is usually that one or maybe two athletes from that whole team is in that, you know, NIL thing. And then it feels like like uh, they're being put on a pedestal or whatever. And then, you know, they walk around campus thinking that, thinking that they're the big dog or whatever because they're getting all this money and all that stuff. So it kind of like leaves the, the rest of the team, you know, I don't know. I, I, I can kind of see where, you know, these people are arguing about that, where it kind of like messes the mm -hmm. team dynamics and stuff like that. So I feel like, yeah. You know, yeah. It's not something that my locker room has had to deal with, you know, and I, I count my blessings in that way because it's another element to a team dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are making a ton more money than the person that is really putting in the same amount of work as you on a day to day basis, it can create some tough feelings within a team culture. So. And that's where I think where we don't we didn't necessarily proactively see that going into the NIL um, climate, and it's something that a lot of teams are having to navigate. Uh, and, I, and that's a part of it that I don't love. You know, I I am old school in a way of like team first, greater good, and like if I benefit, we all should benefit. But that's my mentality on it. Uh, again, I haven't had to deal with the team dynamic in my locker room. Uh, I would be curious, though, um, if I did, it would it would present some challenges, yeah. right? You are getting paid based off of your worth, and it's your worth as a starting point guard or the starting setter for volleyball versus the twelfth man on the team. You're going to be valued different, yeah. differently. Yeah, because so, I feel like. Cause I feel like, you know, with, with these, you know, younger kids, right. You know, a lot of times that we could all agree, you know, all, all three of us, you know, when, when we're presented with money at a young age, we tend to kind of go crazy and not really spend it like smartly, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> exactly. and, um, you know, with, with these kids getting, and these kids are getting millions of dollars, millions. Yes. We're not just talking a hundred dollars here, hundred dollars, it's millions of dollars. So just imagine. Right. Imagine, you know, at a young age and you got this loads of money in and, you know, you, 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 you start to get in your head a little bit and it may affect, you know, may not or may do uh, affect your, your, your teamwork and all that stuff. And then just your, your, it, it may take away some of the love for the sport. So you're like, oh, I got this money. I don't need to go to practice today. You know, I'll just show out at, at the game time. So yeah. that's, you know, one of the challenges, yeah. right? And I, I, that's why I think you're putting a professional, uh, literally the professional, the benefits of being a professional athlete with a young college kid. And it's, it's tough. I, it's been really interesting to see it evolve. Um, I think it's important for kids, student athletes that are going the NIL route. It's like surround yourself with people that are going to help you understand how to uh, make the most out of your money. You know, whether it's a financial advisor, whether it's your parents that can keep you humble. But uh, if not, if not, then it can go a really pretty tough path. Um, 
but that's with anything. I think you see that with young professional professionals too, right? Like the guys that just got drafted into the NFL, if they don't surround themselves with people that are going to help them understand that they're taking this big leap financially, then they can get into some trouble too. So, but that's a 24 year old versus an 18 year old. Yeah. There's some maturity that, uh, some maturity growing that needs to happen with some young people that may not always be there before they get their first million dollar check. Yeah, for sure. I think the best yeah. thing that they could do, you know, sorry, Kala, cutting off. I think the the first thing that you could do, you know, if you're in that NL situation, you're young, 18 year old, and, you know, I hope people can tell them, you know, these kids this is go get a freaking financial advisor. That way, yeah. the way that financial advisor can help guide you and also your parents, you know, yeah. you know, manage your guys' money before you get to that professional level. That's like the smartest thing that they could do. Well, and taxes. Kids don't understand that all yeah. of this stuff is taxed. Exactly. And so uh, that's been something that's come up recently with a lot of student athletes that are on big time NIL deals. Just do your homework. Do your homework, kids, and surround yourself with professionals that are going to help you be successful in that way. Don't we? Uh, don't we all wish that we were in, in that nil situation? Huh? I know. <laughs> Imagine, um, Khalil. <laughs> listen, if I hadn't busted out both my knees, I probably would have a whole different life. <laughs> both knees, girl. Both knees at the same time. Oh, hey, you sound like my wife. My wife busts her both knees too. Yeah. Oh, girl dropped her shoulder coming into home plate. Seriously. Took me out. Both also, you home. so you're a catcher. You're I was you, a catcher. Were yeah. you like top of the line catcher? I yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> uh Megs, you played softball, right? Oh no. I'm so bad at softball. <laughs> I play for fun in like an adult league, but I'm not very good. Nope. You don't see many six foot <laughs> six foot plus softball players, I'm just saying. Yeah. I was softball, volleyball, swimming, and I did track and field. Oh, love it. Swimming. That is a sport that I think is untouched talent for Polynesians. Yes. Of course. And you would think, yes. right? We're surrounded by ocean, so we should be, you know, decent <laughs> at swimming somewhat. <laughs> you would think, but think about it. There are really minimal um i mean polynesians in that world and why we were literally built for the water exactly yeah. come on man yeah. Freaking, you know I'm, I'm gonna have a daughter name her moana and you know have her show the way <laughs> oh you yes. see what i did there <laughs> yes yes and make and get her in tennis and get her in golf that's what i want to see like shout out to tony finau who's like oh, yeah. you know having some visibility on that scene but Again, love our sports with volleyball and football and rugby and all and softball and basketball and all of that. But let's get more into swimming and diving, tennis, golf. Like, let's Yo, have more Polynesians represented there. You know, like you you know this. Both of you guys know this. Back in Hawaii, you see how much Islanders play golf. Like, why yeah. aren't we? Why aren't they teaching their kids to play right. golf? You know what I mean? <laughs> Because we're at football practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about I'm it makes I'm thinking about our one specific uncle that goes golf every time. <laughs> yep. 
yeah, he's probably on the golf course right now with my dad. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. I forgot your dad goes to golf too all the time. But uh, oh yeah, shoot, even even my dad, my dad and his uh, his siblings, they all was like top of the line, and and no mm-hmm. no exaggeration. Whoever you guys are listening, they were top tier yep. tennis players back in American Samoa. My dad mm-hmm. was able to go to uh, well, he got invited to the, the Junior Olympics and. Mm-hmm. Um, the partners like uh, the the what is that called the Pacific Games? Yep. Yeah, Pacific South Games. Pacific my Games. yeah, South Pacific Games. My dad won, and then he won with uh, his brother as like a duo. And none of us play tennis. None of the kids. Nobody. <laughs> I'm so shocked by that. You know, I've taken tennis lessons from your dad, and really? he's really, really good. He's really good. I I was also really shocked that you and your siblings didn't pursue that because of how good your dad was, but. It's complicated to have a parent that's a coach. I, I can tell you firsthand. Love my parents, but it, it's complicated. It's uh, oh, yes. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying that like, oh, are you more harder on the Polynesian, you know, players? Yeah, your parents are going to be the hardest on you. <laughs> yep. And if you can't turn it off, I think that's really hard, right? If like you can't then be their mom and their dad after being their coach, that that's where it's tough. Um. But I, I have so much strategy for my parents to be my, that were my coaches. I learned a lot from them and they have been great mentors. But yeah, when you're on the car ride home and you just want mom to be mom, but they're still coach Leah, it's different. (laughs) (laughs) Tar's laughing because he knows my mom really well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like I I get coached really well from your mom. But it, you know, it's all the fun and games on the the volleyball that we play. It's not like serious. It'll probably be more. Serious. What are you talking about? It is intense. It is oh intense. My God. I'm like, wait, like wait. that's not how my family was. We played sports <laughs> against each other, and it was vicious. <laughs> yes. Who's gonna draw the first blood? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Stars being nice, like <laughs> right, that's the same when we're out on the volleyball court. Now we're laughing and having a good yeah. time, but now hey. we all want to win. Yo, exactly. no, Meg, Jerry, I think your mom took it the most serious out of everybody. Because <laughs> every time, every time, like the ball would go on the net and always sees your mom's head just. Oh, she's so pissed. <laughs> She'd be like, I'm like, mom, uh, this is like family barbecue time. She's like, I don't care. We're here to win. Like okay, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we're not exaggerating, girl. Yeah. This is my mother, and I love her. Mom, yeah. shout out to you. Uh, but she, you know, she was a a, a major in the army. So just okay. put that in the context of like okay. family barbecue, volleyball. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, everything was organized. We had to play volleyball at the same time. Like once she said, like, "Oh, the food's ready," and we go get the food and. But it was so serious that, like, everybody got so... Even though, yeah, we were having fun laughing and stuff, it was so serious to where it got to the point where, like, when new teams would come on and form and we see somebody that, like, maybe not as good, we're like, oh, I'll wait for the next game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how it was. Horrible. horrible. Or we'd say, get out. we kick them out. Yeah. Heck, no, out. Right, get out. Stop. Or when the, the, the younger generation wants to come and play, you know, the nice aunties were like, yeah, yeah, just play by me. And the other ones were like, no, we go where the adults are playing. No, no. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> you had to earn your stripes if you were like young. Yes. You had to definitely earn your stripes to make it to the volleyball yes. court. And yeah, 
it was ruthless. But you know what? At, at the end of the day, it's all love and <laughs> still support. And you, we still laugh at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to start wrapping up the show, man. I appreciate you guys so much. It was a pretty great show, you know? Uh, maybe maybe we'll bring you on next time. I don't know. Another time. <laughs> up to you. Maybe. Well, thank you guys. I'm so grateful. This is my first podcast ever, and um, technology is not my thing. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, but really grateful. I love what you guys are doing, and um, you know, shout out to Polynesian people pursuing their passions. We always like to kind of go out with a, a last last comment type situation. So so for you what what's one saying that you try to like live by that just envelops you that you just go with yeah it's pretty simple and um it's from back home it's just it's live aloha really live aloha and when i'm up here on the mainland sometimes i'm like oh you know when i'm i don't know i kind of think back i'm like did i live aloha in that moment and it just keeps me grounded. It keeps me purposeful, intentional. And why not? Everyone should live aloha. Your life is would be so much better if you, I believe, if you went into your day of like, just live aloha. I always try to explain that to people. Right? Like, you don't understand aloha. It's, it's the ha. It's, it's just, it's, yeah. it's the breath of just like, just, mm, it's there. Yeah. It's love. There's no point. In yeah. not getting through it together. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a lot of people, you know, I mean, and, and it's lack of education. You know, a lot of people don't know exactly what aloha means. A lot of them just mm -hmm. may think it's a high and a buy oh, or like, hello. yeah, right. But it's, 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 it's like one of those words that are the kind too. It means so much things, right? Aloha. Yes. Aloha means everything that has to do about love, about, you know, uh, mm -hmm. camaraderie with people, relationships, you know, high by like literally everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I see it as my daily goal, but also like privilege to spread Aloha. And it's yes. that's like, so big up here on the mainland, you know, like people are like, Oh, she always has a flower in her ear. That's my thing. Um, I try to like always, you know, I, I'm a big hugger. So I give people hugs, you know, the kiss on the cheek for people that understand that but spread aloha the world would be in so much happier and in my i believe in such a better place if everyone understood aloha and tried to spread it absolutely i preach that on a regular basis yep yep and uh yeah so we are going to end the show on that again like i said everybody you know, if you guys are on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification button so that you don't miss any episode or any short that's posted on the channel. If you guys are on Spotify, thank you so much for listening in or watching. And then uh, make sure you rate the show. It's out of five stars, five, one star. It don't matter. Just rate the show and uh, make sure you follow the podcast. So I appreciate you guys coming through. Uh, we are going to, um, I think make i think make you guys have a, a a link to uh your guys team stuff you know on the on the, the website so i'll probably i'll probably link that so you guys can check out the, the team that she coaches you know maybe if you guys want to follow the season you guys can go ahead and follow the season so the links will be down below and uh just like i said on on every episode if you guys want to support me 
and Kaleo personally on our on our social medias and stuff like that. Those links will be posted below. And uh, Kaleo, take us out with your uh, final saying as always. As always, remember to be uniquely you because it's the best thing that you could ever do. I'm proud of you and you're always enough. And the last thing that I like to say is always, yes, uh, bless. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show and we will catch you guys on the next one.